0: Good morning, we are thankful you were here this morning and if you have your Bible you can be turning to the book of 1 John. 1 John, and we'll meet there in just a moment, begin looking at a few passages together, but again let me say we're glad you're here, whether you're a member here or visiting with us, we're thankful for your attendance this morning, please hang around and let us greet you, there's some visitor cards out of the lobby, we'd love for you to get a hold of one and fill out for us so that we have a record of your attendance. And we want to get to know you better. We're thankful that you've chosen to be here this morning. I oftentimes say it is absolutely a choice for each one of us to get up on a Sunday when sometimes it's easier to stay in bed or stay home and do other things. We're thankful that you have... Chosen to be here. I think this is the first Sunday of the month that uh, we've not had anything going on here special outside of our services here at Saudi between the, the lads the leaders when Mike Horn was here and, and teen singing and homecoming. We've had all kinds of things going on, so uh, we're thankful for just sort of a normal schedule Sunday, uh, and that includes our services this evening. If you'd be back with us again, please plan to uh, be here this evening as we'll assemble together to worship. ...but as well to encourage each other. I was already talking with one good sister this morning that said, I I was excited to come, I'm happy to be here. And I certainly echo that sentiment, the chance we have to worship together, but as well to fellowship together. We're thankful that you are here this morning. Perhaps you grew up learning about four-letter words. Uh, There are a lot of four-letter words that that, uh, we use in our our language sometimes. There's probably a a list of four-letter words that uh, your mother or your grandmother told you not to use... Sometimes in our Bible classes and even in our sermons, we discuss things like faith, hope, and love. When you think about hope and love, those are certainly four-letter words that we should use, that we should be uh, sharing and participating in the end and discussing. But there are many o- other four-letter words that maybe your mom or your grandma called curse words that we try to avoid. This morning, we want to think about a four-letter word. And as you see some pictures roll on the screen, you might think of a four-letter word that sometimes comes to mind. And some of these images are ones that are familiar to us. Maybe they bring about certain emotions in you as you maybe recall these situations or things that occurred. And there is a a four-letter word that goes along with some of the things that are shared in these pictures or some of the people share in these pictures, something that we've dealt with a lot throughout not only the course of mankind, but, but even through the course of our history. And this morning we want to take, at a, four, uh, take a look at a four-letter word. And that four-letter word is hate. Now maybe as you go back in your mind for just a moment some of those pictures that were rolling on the screen, uh, that is some of the, the, the mindset of some of those people. They may have had a life filled with hate. And so they would take that out on a certain group or a particular type of people or, or the belief that they had. And they had a life that was filled with hate. You see, I would submit to you this morning that we live in a society that not only misunderstands, but misapplies the term hate. We understand that when you watch the news or when you interact with people in the community, we sometimes use words that are, that are tossed about. One of those, of course, is love. I did a series on love a, a year or two ago, a, a sermon series on love, and we talk about the fact that, that when I say that I love you, Or we say that God loves you. That's not the same thing as when I say, well, I love ice cream. Or I love hamburgers, right? That's not the same type of love. When we think about the term hate, we need to understand and think about the fact that many people in our world misunderstand and misapply the term hate. But when we think about our country, we've even created a whole genre, if you will, or a whole section of crime that we would call hate crimes, (laughs) And as you see these charts on the the screen here, we're not not going through each one, but but these charts simply point out that there is even a a set of crime that we call hate crime. And those are certainly crimes. We would agree those are things that people shouldn't participate in. But we even keep up now and record this idea of a hate crime. And then maybe perhaps you've seen a bumper sticker. Uh, Maybe not in this area. We, We call this area of the world the Bible Belt. Maybe you've not seen very many around here, but maybe you've even seen seen a bumper sticker or a a sticker of some sort that says that something like this, hate is not a family value. I would submit to you this morning that I agree with that statement. Unfortunately, I might disagree with the people who would put this on their car or, or, or something in their life because as we see around those words there on that sticker, the rainbow color that we oftentimes associate with those that would, would say that any type of sin might be okay or, or certainly the sin of homosexuality is okay, but I would agree with them. I would agree that hate is not a family value. But I would disagree with them on some other things. And that's a kind of what we want to think about this morning. You see, I would say to you this morning that we must understand hate. We must understand hate. And that's what we want to do in our few moments together this morning. Is try to take a look at not only some earthly definitions. But, but take a look at what the Bible has to say, say. So that we can understand hate. Because we cannot. We cannot love as we should without hating some things. We cannot love as we should without hating. And I would even go so far as to say that we must hate the right things in the right way or the wrong things in the right way, depending on how you want to to use that phrase. It's important that we take a look at that this morning, this term hate, because we do hear it around us. We do hear it on the news or in the news. We do hear it among people that we work with, our family members. And it would be important for us this morning to understand some things about this word hate. Anytime that you're wanting to look at a word, I would suggest that you look at the dictionary definition. But of course, that's not all. We can choose to define things in in incorrect ways. We want to look at the Bible definition as well. This morning what we want to do, and if you've got your bulletin in front of you and you're looking at the blanks that are there, if you follow along and fill that out, uh, we're going to look at some definitions according to W.E. Vines' Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. When we look at this expository dictionary and try to look at the word, hey, there are at least three different ways that this word is used. And I'd like for you to think about that this morning. I'd like for you to really consider what that is saying because it will help us, even as we look at some of the scriptures we're going to look at this morning, to understand this term. Number one this morning, malicious And unjustifiable feelings toward others, whether towards the innocent or by mutual animosity. Now go back in your mind just a few moments ago to those pictures that were on the screen. That's what we're talking about. When you see people who are ready to throw things or or tear people down or even actually go to the point of killing people for their belief system or something. This is what we're talking about. Malicious feelings malicious and unjustifiable feelings towards others and in fact this is condemned I ask you to turn to first John chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 John writes he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him but he who hates His brother, there's our word, is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, I usually share with you the Bible I typically have here in the pulpit with me is the New King James. You may have a different version. It may say another word there, but here John uses the word hates, hates, he who hates his brother is in darkness until now. This type of hate, the first definition this morning, this malicious feelings, it's condemned. We look as well at First John chapter 3 and verse 15. John continues on, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So when we use the transitive property, as we sometimes do in our mathematics, and to hate someone is to be a murderer, and to murder means there is no eternal life. If we have hate in our heart, hate in our life, then we are as a murderer. We have no eternal life, and we are in darkness. Not only does it say that there in 1 John chapter 2, but you may recall in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, John says that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So if we hate and we are as a murderer and we have no eternal life, we cannot, plain and simple, we cannot be where God is. We have no hope of eternal life with Him if we have this malicious feelings, these malicious feelings or hate towards someone here upon this earth. Again, think about this definition very importantly for just a few moments. Secondly this morning, when we look at definitions, relative preference relative preference of one thing over another. Now, we're going to look at this a little more closely from some scripture here in just a moment, but we sometimes have a relative preference of one thing over another. Now, we just have eaten here just a a Sunday or so ago, and my wife gives me a hard time. She says that I hate apple pie. I hate apple pie. I don't hate apple pie, but if I had my choice and there was an apple pie sitting up here on the pulpit, and on this side there was a, a three layer German chocolate iced over three times cake sitting right here, then I'm going to hate that apple pie because I'm going to prefer the chocolate cake. My family, as for me in my house, as for me in my house, we vote chocolate most of the time, okay? And we would hate something else. I don't hate apple pie. I've eaten apple pie. But if you give me the two choices, I'm going to go with chocolate every single time because I hate apple pie in the sense that I have a relative preference for chocolate over some of the other things we might consider sweet treats or some type of dessert. Do you understand what we're saying there? A relative preference. Kind of a humorous example, absolutely. But yet we understand that idea. And then thirdly this morning, as we think about our definitions... Uh, A third definition is a feeling of aversion from what is evil or towards error. A feeling of aversion from what is evil or towards error. You see, when we talk about our world today, and we put up that bumper sticker just a moment ago about the idea that hate is not a family value, many people in the world will simply promote the idea that God is love, and, and we should love everybody else. We spoke about this just this morning, in a sense, in our adult class over here in Adult Classroom 1. The idea that we can't judge anyone else. That that God is love and we should just love one another. But this morning, I'm going to go out on a limb I'm going to make a bold statement to you. And that is that God hates. God is love, but God as well hates. And when we think about that, and we think about that in terms of our world... I'm not saying that, that as we line up people, as people would line up on one side or the other, that, that God would simply turn up His nose at, at, at a certain type of people or a certain group of people or something like that. Uh, there's, a, there's another lesson there for another time. But yes, God hates. If you've still got your Bible open there to First John, at First John chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I'm not taking exception with John's words here. God is love. But go with me for just a moment. We're going to talk, first of all, about God in a couple of ways in relation to our definitions. And then we're going to talk about ourselves for just a moment. See, I didn't have enough room in the bulletin to put all of these points. I've been meaning to tell you that if you write down notes, you're absolutely welcome to write the verses on the side there as you try to fill in some of these notations. Because my only other option is either to kick the song leaders out of the bulletin and take the songs away, or for faith to put a third extra sheet in the bulletin. And we're not ready to go that far yet. So by all means, write some of these verses and notes out to the side. But this morning, we want to think about God for just a moment. Our second definition was relative preference. Relative preference. If you got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 9 for just a moment. In Romans chapter 9, we see that God hated Esau. Romans chapter 9, verse 13. Yeah, Romans chapter 9, verse 13. As it is written, Paul records, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. Does God love? Absolutely. Does God hate? Paul says so here in Romans chapter 9, and verse 13. God hated Esau. Now, I've already given you a clue on the screen here, but God hated Esau in the sense of our second definition, the way the Bible might use the term, in the idea of relative preference. God had a relative preference towards Jacob, and he hated Esau. So, yes, it is possible that God hates But not only in the term of the second definition, but what about our third definition? Remember, it's an aversion towards evil or a dislike towards evil. Well, first of all, we know that God hates idolatry. Jeremiah chapter 44 and verses 2 through 5, God says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation and no one dwells in them. Because, because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods, whom they did not know, they nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. Is God love? God absolutely is love. John says so, but God as well hates. Here he shows a dislike towards evil. He says, do not do this thing that I hate. Do not worship these other idols and these other gods. But as well, we think about the idea in Proverbs chapter 6 of the seven things that God hates. Do you remember some of those things that are listed together? Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. God is love. But does God hate? Absolutely. In the sense not only of relative preference but as well in a dislike or an aversion towards things that are evil. So when we hear people say on the news or or at protests or rallies or other things that, that God is love or, or they even use phrases like love is love, I'm not even sure what that means, but God is love, absolutely. But at the same time, God hates. And it was helpful for us this morning to think about God hating in these two different ways, or at least according to these two different different definitions. But this morning, that's good to know. But this morning, the question is, what about us? What about you and what about me? Are we allowed to hate? The world would tell us no. We're not allowed to hate. We need to love everyone. But what does the Bible have to say? Again, let's think about our second definition. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 gives us this idea of relative preference. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, there's our word, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. You cannot serve God and mammon. We are to have a relative preference toward God. When it comes to hating things, we must hate. This idea of earthly things or mammon. We must be careful when it comes to hate, how we show that. But at the same time, we do show a relative preference when it comes to what the Bible has to say about hate. Look with me as well at Luke chapter 14 and verses 25 through 26. (coughs) Excuse me. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 26. Luke records for us, Now great multitudes... Went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate, there's our word, hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So when we think about this idea of relative preference, one must hate his own family. Now, I'm not advocating that you start scooting away or you drive off and leave someone here this morning because you hate them in that sense. But we understand what Jesus is saying. He says there's a relative preference. We must hate our own family. But not only that, we must hate our own self. We must hate our own life if we're going to be acceptable to God. Yes, Jesus says, and his own life also. If we cannot do that, then we cannot be his disciple. The question this morning is, what do you prefer? If hate has to do with relative preference, what do you prefer? Do you prefer yourself first? Do you prefer the earthly things of this life first? Or do you prefer Jesus, a Christian life, following after God? We must hate our family. We must hate ourselves doesn't mean that we avoid them. It doesn't mean we talk negatively about them. It doesn't mean we, we do something in that, that type of sense to our own family or to ourselves. But we must hate in the sense that the Bible uses the term of a relative preference. But then thirdly this morning, or in the, from our third definition, when we think about hate, hate is an aversion to what is evil. What about us? Look with me in Psalm 119 and verse 104. Psalm 119 and verse 104 The psalmist here says, Though through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Do we have to have hate in our lives? Here the psalmist says yes. We must hate every false way. Does hate to be a part of our lives? Sounds like it to me. Sounds like it to me in the right sense. The biblical sense. But we must hate every false way. Look with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Paul writes and says, And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, it sounds like to me that that it does matter what we believe. That we do have to have hate in our life in the sense of what the Bible has to say about it when it comes to this aversion from evil. It makes a difference. That they all may be condemned, verse 12 again, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We have to believe the truth. It matters what we believe on some things. And when it comes to hate, we have to have an aversion to those things that are evil. We have to love the truth and hate every false way. You see the connection here, the way these things connect to each other? But there's even more passages. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 6. We think about the seven churches of Asia that are mentioned there. Writing to the church at Ephesus, Jesus says, but this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So when we hate someone, when we say that we hate something that someone does and and others would, would cast stones at us or would say, no, wait a minute, you can't do that. That's wrong. You can't say that you hate something. Here, Jesus says that He hates the deeds that someone in particular does. And we must do the same thing. We talk about loving the sinner, but hating the sin, not approving of the sin. I think that's somewhat biblical. We have to be careful how we always practice that and put it into practice. You know, as we think about these, these protests, and so there were pictures of some of those on the screen at the beginning and all. Uh, when we talk about hating every false way, I think we all agree that we should do that but if you're familiar with the news over the last few years there's a, a group of people who would call themselves Christians I believe it's the Westboro Baptist Church maybe that, that goes around to certain funerals in protests and protests and use vulgar words and vulgar terms that we would not approve of they say they're there on behalf of God but I don't know that they're exactly showing that the way that God would have it us to show it we need to disapprove of things that are sinful we need to speak up on that, We need to hate the deeds of certain people. But there is a right way to do that. We must be careful that we show that. We show the biblical way of hating. When we think about the evil things that are going on around us. A couple of other passages from the Psalms: Psalm 97 and verse 10, first of all. Psalm 97 and verse 10. The psalmist here says, You who love the Lord hate evil. Imagine him speaking to you right now this very day. The psalmist standing here in my place, me sitting in the, in the rows here with you, in the pews with you. The psalmist says, you who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Do we hate evil or are we accepting of evil? And yes, I understand sometimes it's very hard to draw that line. I can't stand here this morning and give every single situation to you. I can't answer for every situation that you have in life when you know friends and family members who are caught up in evil things. But we must hate evil. And then Psalm chapter 51 and verse 4. David's psalm of repentance. We know this so well. We know verse 10 so well, create in me a clean heart, O God, and and rightfully so. But in verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. We must remember as we hate evil and we hate sin, that sin is against God. Sin is simply against God. Why do we not hate sin enough sometimes or in the right way? Well, maybe it's because we don't love God enough. Because if we love God, then we will hate sin because sin is evil and sin is against God. Again, there's a right way to show that. That may be another lesson for another time. But for this morning, we must understand that God hates and we must hate. The world doesn't want to hear that sometimes. And I would ask for you without the proper time or the proper amount of time this morning in this particular lesson to go into all the details As we said just a moment ago that you use discernment and justice, uh, judgment and wisdom as you think about hating evil and hating sin. I'm not advocating that we go pick up our, our sticks and our signs out here and start marching on every, every place and everything this morning. But I hope that you notice from the passages that we've looked at God absolutely hates. And we must hate. You see, this is a four-letter word. A lot of four-letter words in our lives sometimes draw attention. Sometimes they kind of divide people. They cause uh, uh, an interesting moment maybe sometimes when people use four-letter words. Hate may not have been one of those curse words that you were thinking of this morning as we begin our lesson. It's a four-letter word. And it's one we must understand. And we must understand what the Bible has to say About hate. This morning, as we conclude our thoughts, we ask for you to consider your life not really necessarily even in conjunction with this idea of hate, but in your relationship with God. We are thankful this morning for God's gospel plan of salvation. We can hear the word, as you've had the opportunity to do this morning in our lesson and as well possibly in our Bible class, that we should believe in Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We know that we must repent. Or perish. we have an opportunity this morning if you are not a Christian to, you have an opportunity to repent of your sins to confess before this great uh, audience who has assembled the name of Jesus that Jesus is the Son of God. You see there are so many great things that Jesus said we already looked at some this morning. one of the greatest things is that he said that if we would confess him before men that he would confess us before his Father. We oftentimes say that the gospel plan of of salvation culminates, if you will, in being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that the Lord can add add you to His church. That is the point at which we become saved. We know as well that's not where it stops. We must continue to live faithful. Even up until the point of death, all throughout our life, whether we live to be 94, 70, 30, 40, whatever age it may be, we must continue to remain faithful to God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a child of God. You need to become gospel, obedient, follow this simple plan of salvation. Maybe you're here and you've done that already, but you've wandered away. It's possible that someone in this room is struggling with something like hate. That's okay. We can pray for you and with you as well. Maybe there's something else that is amiss in your life. The beauty of being here together is that we can pray for each other and with each other. We don't have to leave this place in the next few moments here wondering about what our eternal place would be. If we were to die this very day or this very hour, we're thankful to to God for his plan of salvation, for his second law of pardon, and it's a choice on our behalf. Maybe you're here this morning, you're struggling with hate, maybe it's something else, but it's something that you can choose to change. You can become a follower of Christ, become a part of God's family, and be encouraged by this great body of people who are assembled here together this morning. It's for all those reasons that we'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing. All things are ready, come Come to the feast of war.